0: Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're now at the time between the feasts. It's true that we're still celebrating the feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Ascension, rather, as you heard in the hymns today. But the actual feast day has already occurred on that day in which we commemorate our Lord's ascension into heaven. And we're waiting, anticipating Pentecost. As I said on Thursday, on the feast day, our Lord, he ascended, but before that, what did he do? He condescended. He condescended. He condescended so greatly as to take on human form. This is the word that the church uses. He humbled himself, taking on human form, then yes, in his earthly life, he was with us. He descended into Hades. He was resurrected from Hades and ascended into heaven. Can you imagine what it would be like for the apostles right now? Their Lord and Savior gone from them. The only time that was worse for them were those few days between his crucifixion and his resurrection, which are hard to imagine. But then, He's resurrected and they didn't even fully realize that until his resurrection as we know so clearly and for 40 days he was with them he saw them he ministered to his people to the disciples and then he ascended in glory and the apostles they were left alone Without the one that they had been following for all these many years, leaderless as it were, at least in their own human way of thinking, because their Savior, who they had walked with, they had eaten with, they had been with, every day for years was gone. It's hard to imagine how completely disorienting, I mean, that's, that word is, is too small of a word for what they were experiencing we uh, echo this in the prayers that we say in the church because as we know we've been saying for 40 days instead of the Trisagion prayers, we say Christ is risen from the dead by death trampling down upon death into those in the tombs he has granted life we said that for 40 days and then those words are suddenly gone and who of us does not feel a little bit of heartache when the final Christ is risen is sung and we're no longer using that within our prayer life, within the worship services. And yet we haven't added back the prayer that we say to the Holy Spirit. All year long, at the beginning of our prayers, every time we pray, we say, Heavenly King, Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. Those prayers aren't with us yet. Because the Holy Spirit has not descended upon us. And so we even in our prayers are experiencing a little bit of that limbo, if you will, between these two great feasts of Pascha and of Pentecost. Those ten days must have been like an eternity for the apostles, and it turned them greatly towards prayer, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, greatly towards prayer. We learn two things from the apostles' experience. One is that there will be times when we feel orphaned. It's one of the words that appears again and again in the hymns around ascension. It's about feeling orphaned. The other that we, will, that we learn from them is that a right faith is necessary to receive the Holy Spirit. Because there were so many people that traveled with Christ, there were throngs of people, as we hear in the stories of Zacchaeus, where there were so many people that he couldn't even see Christ. So many people with Christ, and yet on Pentecost, it was only a few that were there that received the Holy Spirit. Far fewer than those that were traveling with Christ. So a right faith is essential for us to be be able to receive the Holy Spirit. And the importance of the right faith is really uh, commemorated today, if you will. Because today we commemorate the fathers of the first ecumenical council. In the early fourth century, after centuries of persecution of Christians. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of martyrs. Then Constantine the Great. With the Edict of Milan in 313 makes Christianity legal, if you will, the, even the faith of the empire. And just two years later, the devil begins working in a man named Arius and works in him where he is fomenting so much schism and division within the church that the church in 318 has to get together to address this heresy that Arius has, has proposed. And this division within the church actually continues for decades after that. It's a great struggle within the church. You see, right after this great victory in which Christianity is no longer persecuted, the devil comes in and sows division. And so Arius, in his pride, he, I won't go too much into the theology, but he taught that Christ was not fully God in the same way that God the Father was. That there was a time in which there was just God the Father, and so the holy women and men of our church saw that this is not who Christ is. They saw there's something not right about what he's saying. Not to mention that the ego and the, the desire to continue teaching his teachings even when he's been told not to. They said there's something not right about this. And so they got together as a council. And at that council we received the Nicene Creed, which is or the majority of the creed that we say to this day. In the hymn, uh, in one of the hymns from the Vespers last night, it said, "From the womb you came forth, although begotten, for your father, motherless, be- from your father, motherless before ages." But Arius thought of you not as God, but as a creature, foolishly daring to confuse you, the Creator, with creatures. And thus he laid up for himself the fuel of eternal fire. But the holy council in Nicaea proclaimed that you are the son of God and share the throne with the Father and the Spirit, O Lord. So that's at the heart of the conflict in the first ecumenical council. But Arius, because of his pride, because of his ego, he was unable to receive the Holy Spirit, unable to see the true and right faith. But heresy isn't just about a wrong understanding. There's always that ego that's involved in it. There's always, no, I think I'm right, my way, my logic, this is what's right. So this is something that we all face, even if we're not heretics. And Arius was hardly the first to encounter that. We saw in the epistle today, what did St. Paul say? He said, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. For know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. Be vigilant. And this is what St. Paul was saying to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, because that ego, that desire to be right, to have our own ideas, is something that started in the very beginning of the church. There were Gnostics and Judaizers who were trying to draw people to them to make their own version of the faith. Note that it says, from among your own selves. The greatest danger to the church has always been from within the church. Not what's outside the church, but from within the church. And this continues to be something that we always need to be vigilant. Those words of St. Paul still ring true today. But in converse to those who are heretical, the right faith is what attracts the Holy Spirit. The right faith is what brings the Holy Spirit into our lives. As we see in the Holy Apostles, our Lord said in the Gospel of John, He said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You see, the keeping of the commandments, this is our path towards a right faith. Our Lord gave us the commandments to show us the path which we are to follow down. And in doing this, this is what invites the Holy Spirit into our lives. In that same passage from the Gospel of John Our Lord says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And so this is that second thing that we learn from the apostles. First, that a right faith brings the Holy Spirit to us. And secondly, that there will be times in which we'll experience being an orphan. Our Lord said this to the apostles, but then we see that they had a time, these ten days here, of feeling like orphans. And that's why in the hymns of ascension... The hymnographers really get it, the sense that the apostles were feeling inside of themselves. In one hymn it said, Lord, when your apostles saw you were being lifted up on the clouds, they were filled with sadness. They grieved and with fearful laments they said to you, O Christ, the giver of life, Master, do not make orphans of us your servants whom you loved for pity's sake, you who are compassionate. But as you promised, send us your all-holy spirit to guide and illumine our souls. The apostles experienced the loneliness of being an orphan. And who of us has not experienced that? Times of struggle in our life in which we might in our weakness say, where is God? We might say to ourselves, why this? We might say to ourselves, how can I get through this time? And so, in this, we can relate to the apostles very much. Feeling orphaned is just a part of our spiritual life. Why is this? Because, more broadly, the feeling of the weight of our spiritual struggles is what we're experiencing. We're feeling so very weighed down by our spiritual struggles. And this is a part of our spiritual growth, this is a part of how we draw closer to our Lord. Through these times, we draw nearer to God, and we learn that we are dependent upon him. We also learn patience, which is essential for the spiritual life. St. Paisio said, With a little patience, one shows during difficult times he can acquire divine grace. Christ has not shown us another way to salvation other than patience. Those are strong words. I'll say that again. Christ has not shown us another way to salvation other than patience. Christ has hung the salvation of all people on patience. Do you see what he said? Quote, he who endures to the end shall be saved. This is why he presents hardships and various trials, so that people will develop the virtue of patience. Because we need endurance. And endurance doesn't just come from having a life without struggle. Endurance comes through the struggles. That word patience, hipomani has a sense of being under weight, under I mean under pain, that we are experiencing pain. We also learn in patience that we can join ourselves to Christ because Christ patiently endured the cross himself. And so we likewise, as we join him in enduring our own cross, And our cross is not the glorious cross of Christ, but our cross many times is the cross of still struggling with the same struggle that I've been struggling with for year after year after year, still confessing the same thing. This is our cross. This is our way in which by taking up patience, by taking up patience, we join ourselves to Christ. You see, sometimes we think the only way to Christ is by getting rid of all of our passions and struggles not so. It's through those things. And our Lord in his wisdom will only allow the freedom of these things at the right time for our salvation. And so we patiently endure. And who among us doesn't have passions that we will deal with for our whole life? Our only hope is that it diminishes a little bit over time. But God knows whether it ever will. So there's so much patience that is needed. Patience is how we build our trust in God. We say to our Lord, if this is what is still in my life, it must be for my salvation. Lord, help me. So it can be a way in which we build our trust in God. Many of you, as I look out at you, are those who have come to the Orthodox faith in your adulthood. And in becoming Orthodox, you may experience, and some of you who are newer to this, it's a long journey into orthodoxy i'm not even talking about the journey towards christ which they're parallel but the journey into orthodoxy it takes years and years because there are so many things that we bring into our conversion things that we think are right or not right or things that we think the orthodox church does that don't they don't do so it takes time it takes years for us to enter into the faith and for those of you who are born into the faith undoubtedly you've still had your conversion at some point, undoubtedly you've had that time where you've said, this is where I need to be, and so even in that, it's a journey it's a journey that takes a lot of patience sometimes we kind of want to rush that along, oh I know my faith, I know the faith, I'm good and then we encounter something that really struggles our faith, makes us struggle, makes us doubt St. Piusius has many good words, I'll say one more passage from him He says, once upon a time, a man planted a grapevine, and even though the roots had not fully matured, he was expecting to produce grapes so that he could make plenty of wine, so that he could drink it, celebrate, and make merry. This is what you are doing, too, he says to someone who asked him about a situation. You've planted a little vine, and you want to drink wine right here and now. This is impossible. You cannot plant the grapevine today and expect to drink wine tomorrow. How many of us do this with our spiritual lives, our struggles that become so difficult? I just want this to be done, we say in our impatience. In a year's time, you'll be able to eat a few clusters of grapes. In two years, you may eat a basket full of grapes. And in five years, you will also drink wine. Likewise, if you want to enjoy spiritual fruit, you must struggle and be patient Our Lord said this a lot more clearly. He said, by your patience, possess your souls. Very profound words. By your patience, possess your souls. What's the opposite of that? In our impatience, we actually lose our souls. Very profound words. Why is this? Because impatience is always a rejection of God's providence. It's always a rejection of God's providence. Because it says, this isn't how things should be. I shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. It's too hard. I want it done right now. And so we move away from God in our impatience. By your patience, possess your souls. So whatever it is that you struggle with, for patience, remember... It is in the struggle to patiently accept it. Even if it's an evil, horrible thing in your life to accept, to say, this is. I know this is not easy, what I'm saying right now. So Mark my words, this is not easy. But in and through that, this is where we meet God. And in and through that, that's where we receive the Holy Spirit. And in and through that, we receive the Holy Spirit and we receive the grace of God to be able to endure whatever it is that we're bearing As we approach Pentecost, let us remember that a right faith attracts the Holy Spirit and to know that there will be times in our lives when we will experience being orphans. But there's this closing hymn I'll offer for you. This is from the Orthros of Ascension. Leaving the things of earth upon the earth and surrendering to the earth things of ashes, come, let us come to our senses and raise our eyes and thoughts on high. Let us, O mortals, turn our gaze together with our senses up to the heavenly gates. Let us consider ourselves present at the Mount of Olives and gaze intently at the Redeemer who is riding upon a cloud. For the Lord has hastened up there to the heavens, and there the bountiful giver of gifts distributed gifts to the apostles, calling to them as a father and strengthening them. He guided them like sons and said to them, I am not separated from you. I am with you, and no one is against you.